0: Hello everyone, welcome back to Fit Body Happy Joints. My name is Shannon. Today we're talking about if low impact workouts are really more effective. As always, I'm here to help clarify fitness marketing versus current science and reality. So you may have heard these claims, like I went from high intensity workouts to exclusively Pilates and walking and my body transformed. Or high impact is bad for your joints and your hormones or low impact is better for your body might have heard any of those things and maybe you're confused about the validity of those things. So first off, low-impact workouts can be amazing, but not all low-impact workouts are equally as effective. And then on the flip side, high-impact workouts can wear down your body, but they aren't inherently bad for your body or for your joints. So in today's episode, I'll discuss what makes a low-impact workout effective, what makes a high-impact workout effective and how to integrate both into your routine for the best results. So first, let's define what an effective workout is. And obviously, everyone might have a slightly different definition of this depending on your priorities. But this podcast, I think I know my listeners, we're not Olympic athletes. We're not competing bodybuilders. Our goals are to improve health and fitness and improve overall body composition without costing other areas of our health, like our hormones, like our joint health, et cetera. So to me, and something I recommend for each of you as setting as your standard, a workout is not overall effective if it is harming a part of your body in the pursuit of improving a part of your body. So maybe it's helping improve your body composition, but it's wrecking your joints and making you feel terrible. To me, that's not an effective workout. An effective workout is one that has a low cost to reward ratio. So low overall cost to your body and high reward for your body. That's where the low impact movement has kind of come in. And that's where a lot of interest has grown around low impact in general, because so many people have switched to low impact because more awareness is building around the fact that beating ourselves up in our workouts is kind of insane and that's unnecessary and unsustainable and doesn't feel good. And many people have seen their bodies change from adopting a gentler approach all while feeling so much better. So I'll talk about why this may be happening here in a moment, but what I want to do is break down what makes a workout effective, at least in today's definition, which is improving your fitness, improving your health, improving your body composition, all with the least overall cost to your body. So a few things, and again, if you're a Fit Body Happy Joints listener, you know most of these things, but just to go over them really quickly... So first, you want to make sure that you're loading muscles with enough intensity by using what's called hard sets. So that means taking each set close to failure, which means stopping about three or four reps shy of total muscle failure. So what that looks like is you have a decrease in overall velocity that's pretty substantial. Substantial. So what that looks like is, let's say you're doing bicep curls and you could bicep curl for like one count up, one count down. And then once you approach that failure point, maybe two, three, four reps shy of failure, your pace really slows down. It gets difficult for you to lift the weight at that one-to-one count. You really start to slow down. You almost feel like you get stuck in the middle. So that is what's necessary to drive muscle growth is you have to get close to that failure point. Studies show you don't have to get all the way to failure, but you do need to get close to it. And then you also have to stay within a certain rep range. Studies have shown and debunked that it doesn't have to be super heavy weight at low reps. Like you don't have to do super heavy weight for five reps, but you can't do, studies show that doing more than about 30 reps is not going to be effective For muscle growth. So you can do anywhere from like five to 30 reps. And as long as you're getting close to that muscle failure, it's going to be effective for muscle growth. So that's doing hard sets. You also need sufficient volume. So doing about three to 10 or more hard sets for each muscle group. So three to 10 sets each week for glutes, three to 10 sets for quads, three to 10 sets for chest, three to 10 sets for shoulders, et cetera. So doing those three to 10 hard sets per week, I recommend breaking them up into different sessions. So you're training glutes twice, let's say, for like three sets each time. So you're training glutes Tuesday and Friday for three three hard sets each session. Because if you're training with sufficient volume and intensity, it requires recovery for those muscles. So you do need to program each week so that you aren't working the same muscle groups on consecutive days. So you wouldn't want to do three hard sets for glutes on Tuesday and then do three hard sets for glutes on Wednesday. You want some time in between so that your muscles have time to recover and build back. So that's exercise. Next is nutrition. You have to be eating enough protein in order to see muscle growth. So the ideal that many of our registered dietitians have told us is that 0.75 to 1 gram per pound of ideal body weight. If you don't have this piece, you will not see much change. This is really important to eat enough protein. And then lastly, if fat loss is your goal, you do need to be in a slight calorie deficit. You just cannot rely on your workout to do that for you. Nutrition is an important piece of this. So high intensity burns more calories, right? So doesn't that make it more effective? Not necessarily, and I did an entire podcast about this last week, all about how your body plateaus at a certain activity level and how just trying to have an overall active lifestyle is much more important than the actual calories you're burning within your workout. So go back and listen to that episode for more details there. So we can say to a pretty high degree of certainty that those are the variables that seem to be the most important for results, for the most important for an effective workout. Now, obviously, there's extremes where those things can become counterproductive. For example, if you're overexercising and under eating, if you're doing way too much exercise and you don't have enough fuel, that's eventually going to eat away at your muscle mass and be counterproductive for body composition changes. If you need help setting up a nutrition and fitness plan for body recomposition, so losing fat and gaining muscle, I did an entire workshop that's totally free. I'll link it in the show notes if you want. Um, if you want more info there. So If those are the things that contribute to an effective workout, doing hard sets, having sufficient volume, making sure you're programming each week effectively, making sure that you're recovering, making sure that you're getting enough protein, are low impact workouts better at hitting all of those things? And my answer is it depends. Many low-impact workouts are doing exercises and rep ranges that aren't very effective for building muscle. So they're choosing exercises and loads that they're doing way more than 30 reps. They're doing like 100 reps. And although those exercises, by the time you hit that 100 reps, are going to feel really hard and tiring, they aren't likely contributing much to muscle growth since it isn't enough mechanical load. You're going way beyond the rep range that's been shown to be sufficient for muscle growth. So those types of exercises also aren't toning, which they claim to do, since you can't spot treat fat with exercise. So you may be building endurance and stability by doing really high rep, low load training, but those types of workouts likely aren't doing much for the physical change in your body unless unless you're brand new to exercise and experiencing some newbie gains, but those gains will be, um, they'll very quickly kind of pitter out. So many low impact workout routines are also not considering how they are loading muscles from a day-by-day perspective. So they're not programming their week of workouts. So they're working the same muscle groups each day or doing full body workouts too often and not allowing for enough recovery. So those things considered. Can your low-impact workout potentially be more effective than your high-intensity, high-impact workout? Absolutely, it can, if you're applying those principles that I listed above. That's really all you need. You don't need to jump or, jump around to see results. You also don't need to completely deplete yourself to see results. It's not about calorie burn. It's not about total exhaustion. It's about the stimulus to the muscles. Most of our workouts, with the exception of we've got one hit class per week, most of our workouts are low impact and they're effective for building muscle, and yet they don't make you feel totally wrecked because we're applying those principles in a really thoughtful way. Now, what about the people that I referenced earlier who claim that they went from long, grueling boot camp classes to low impact, only walking in Pilates and saw positive changes in their bodies? So I think that this can happen for a few reasons. Number one, they may actually be stressing their bodies less, experiencing less inflammation and potentially feeling overall kind of less puffy because of that. They also may be losing muscle which can make you appear overall smaller, even though your body composition has declined. They also may be changing their eating habits because low-intensity workouts may, not always, deplete you less and affect your hunger hormones because when your body is, is, is exhausted and depleted from your workouts, your hunger hormones are affected. Your body senses that energy is lacking. And food is energy. So to get you that energy, you may crave more calorie-dense foods. So by exhausting your body in your workout, you might be affecting your hormones, which are affecting your eating habits. So although some low-impact workouts may actually be improving muscle mass more than some forms of high-intensity exercise, I think those factors may be contributing to these quote-unquote transformations that we see all over the internet. One more thing to mention about low-impact before we get into high-impact. Low-impact workouts are not inherently better for your joints. If you're choosing exercises that are twisting your joints and applying sideways forces to the joints, your joints aren't going to feel very good. Or if you're doing a low-impact workout that's overusing muscles, your joints aren't going to feel very good. So low-impact is not inherently better for your joints than high-impact. And high-impact isn't inherently bad for your joints or hormones either. High-impact gets a bad reputation, but This is from fitness marketing, not from actual science, because high impact is not bad inherently and can actually be beneficial in the right doses when you choose the right exercises for the right individual. In fact, there have been studies that show that a progressive plyometric training routine can improve joint health and be beneficial for muscle strength. But again, it's progressive and it's dosed appropriately for the individual. But the problem is people are just so extreme when it comes to this, and jumping and landing will stress your bones and joints and surrounding joint tissues. But that stress can be good if you're dosing it so that you aren't doing so much that your body can't keep up with healing the damage and the inflammation. So if you're dosing impact appropriately for your body, not doing a ton, but just kind of sprinkling it into your routine so that your body has time to recover, it might actually be beneficial for your body. So the bottom line is that not all low-impact workouts are created equal and will be equally as effective, and not all high-impact is bad. So all that said, let's go over my recommendations for incorporating both into your routine if you want, for the highest bang for your buck with the lowest cost to your body. So for strength training and building muscle, which is ultimately what we want to focus on for body composition changes, focus on choosing exercises and loads that you couldn't do more than about 30 reps and get close to that failure point. I did a po- I get lots of questions about Pilates. I did a podcast about Pilates and um, you can apply everything that I say in that podcast to really any low impact workout. So instead of Pilates, just insert your workout name and see if those principles apply. Cause I get lots of questions about like, what about XYZ method? And if you just go through the checklist of, are you doing more than 30 reps without getting close to failure? Are you programming your workouts? Are you overusing your muscles? Are you eating enough protein? Are you working each muscle with sufficient volume? If you just kind of go through that checklist and if the answer is no to one or more of those, then it's not a workout I would personally recommend if you want it to be effective and the least overall cost to your body. I will put the Pilates episode in the show notes so that you can check that out if you want more information on that. If you want to add some impact, first off, I wanna say that it's optional. You can still see great results in bone density and joint health from just sticking to low impact strength training, if that's like what you prefer. But if you like to add plyometrics and things like that, my recommendation is to do so infrequently and with exercises that don't make your joints ache afterwards. It's really as simple as that. So let's say you take our hit class on Wednesday and you try a few of the plyometrics and your joints are kind of talking to you the next day. Your knees are kind of aching or whatever it may be. It's usually not a huge deal. It's just data. So all you need to do is say to yourself, okay, that was a bit too much. I need to try it again, maybe let my legs rest today, and then try it again next week. But instead of doing every single plyometric in this class, I'm going to do every other. I'm going to jump one time, and then I'm going to do an air squat for the next rep and alternate the jump squats and the air squats. So you really just have to have the mindset of applying the scientific method to yourself and being your own personal trainer because it's impossible for fitness to be a one-size-fits-all situation. But when you can tinker and play with certain variables to find what works for you, then you don't have to rely on anyone else to give you the answers. You can find the answers for yourself. So I hope this episode was helpful. Low-impact workouts are not always super effective, just like high-impact workouts are not always bad. We will see you all next week, same time, same place. Bye for now.